So the great heart we um, does not rule out or thinking. <laughs> so it integrates the thinking. Often the problem is not th- thinking is not a problem. Emotions are not a problem. Problem is it's not integrated, so that you've got kind of just thoughts just careening around with no purpose, just like a herd of panic-stricken sheep or chickens in a with a fox there, just kind of squawking around, doing nothing <laughs> any good, <laughs> kicking up a mess, or you have very tangled emotions, and sometimes this is just uh, just they just need to be ventilated. You know, just let blow through until they find their own, their own um, stability, their own resting place. So, you know, so what really helps with this is presence, presence awareness, and a sense of just widening your focus, both in terms of attitude. There's no hurry. Uh, you know, it can it can seem like a long time, but really, it's not a long time. The time is is just just purely measurements. In the in the sea, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. You can just so more time, more space, and even sometimes just <coughs> getting almost like a physiological widening. So you get a feeling for your what it feels like when you with your awareness, you're aware not just of your own body, but the space around you, or when you're walking, get a sense of the vast space through which you move, and this sense of the sp- the element of space is a helpful sign to the mind, like when we're in a crowded place, you always feel a little more tense and constricted than when you're in an open, empty place. So it just do, it does you do, you do does have these effects. So when you give things space, then they will tend to move around and and sometimes seemingly chaotically, but they'll find their own way to to land, to settle. And so part of the humility of the practice is is realizing a lot of it we don't we can't fix it we don't know how to fix it we don't know how to do it just create the space and let it let it shake itself down you know and you could say that's almost the the basic practice of a retreat just being here for this amount of time and uh you know the, re- the renunciation that is you're not actually in deliberately adding more things to it so you just create an open space and Things kind of shunt around, settle down. The big problem, or the big obstacle, is uh, is the self view, which uh, you know. So we feel we should be able to do something, uh, change something. We should be other than this. We should be, you know, getting ahead. We should be getting samadhi. Last retreat we got good samadhi. So why aren't we doing it in this retreat? Or it always says in the book you can't get enlightened without you know these degrees of perfection, so why aren't you doing it and you're never going to get there, you're wasting your time, all these years you've been studying and learning, you've been taught this so many times by now, you really ought to put it together, this kind of thought <laughs> going on in your head about what you should and shouldn't be and berating and uh, feeling ashamed and confused. So, you know, what you should, uh, this is the self-view, and uh, so naturally we normally operate through that, we something needs to be done, you go ahead and do it. But um, in in this practice, it's a lot, it gets in the way because it doesn't allow things to find a natural resolution. There's always somebody meddling, somebody in the back seat, back seat driver, somebody always nudging it. 
trying to make it go some way that you feel it should be. And, you know, the, what you feel it should be is right, you know, on paper it's right, it's, it's good. But you don't get there by waving bits of paper at it saying this is the way you should be. <laughs> you know, so you can really, it's sometimes more helpful to consider the, the teachings as more like, um, you know, like a kind of a map not an injunction saying as the process goes on you'll notice this happening as the process continues you notice that that's the thing to focus on mm. you can't really make it happen you know you can look out for it you can look out for a sense of steadiness you can look out for a sense of uh, recognizing the things that change things are passing you can look out for a s the sense of um, um, benevolence, you know, you don't do it as such, you look out for it, because these are quite natural. You know, there's a lot of things swilling around, and you, you give attention, so the Buddha's pointing out the ones you give your prime attention to, the sense of spaciousness, the sense of release, the sense of gentleness rather than harshness. Mm you look out for these mm. and just by giving them more more attention they they strengthen just by giving them more attention mm. there's this sort of little sh bit of a shift so the humility is of seeing yourself go incoherent and ineffective and chaotic and failing yeah. <laughs> And then being spacious about that, rather than making some identity out of it, or some get you know, a reflex, a knee-jerk reaction to it. Mm. So you know, that, you see, so y because what you witness is not self; it's just things that have been formed. Mm. These are called the. the the pathways, the, the the channels, the energy circuits that have been laid down in your system through life. They're not some intrinsic identity at all. Otherwise, they'd do what you wanted them to do, wouldn't they? <laughs> but they don't. They go their own way. Yeah. So there's this kind of moment where you why isn't it working? before you really get it, it isn't working because it isn't yours. <laughs> now could you deepen that to really let it go, let it say, you go the way you want to go, you know. Let it, let it be that way, that's really spacious. Um, but what that requires is this sense of, you know, where we don't keep reacting to our thoughts and feelings we you, you know it's easy enough to say let them go but they, they most of them are pretty sticky they don't they don't let go that easy you know it's like trying to flick a sticky toffee paper off your finger you know you flick it and it's still there and you flick it again and you put it and it sticks to the other hand when you brush it <laughs> i keep letting this thing go and it, keeps, it doesn't seem to go because <laughs> it's a sticky toffee paper <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you need to, you know, develop the non-stick, <laughs> which is the, the holding, the, is a, the presence. You know, presence itself does not, you know, it, it doesn't, it's just, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not about holding anything, it's just about being present. So, you know, one way we look at practice is just developing that sense of being able to be present with the the ups and downs, the chaos, the um, dis- disappointing aspects of mind without losing your cool about it. You know? And really, you know, this is why we need presence because presence is not the effective sense. The heart is the effective sense, effective responsive sense that has its place and its values. Presence is just present. So when you doesn't mean you're ignoring or noticing or numbing out or not interested, it just means you're present with it. And so that gives you the space. That pr- that automatically provides a space and a sense of coherence. My thoughts are incoherent, my emotions are jumbled, but my presence is <laughs> you know, that that it's not even my presence, it's just there is the presence, there is awareness of all this. And so, I mean, e- that's kind of easy enough as a as a as a map, as a recipe, but as an in, in, as a f- as an experience. So often, the sense of presence is so is relatively thin. Mostly, what one's you know f- sensing or experiencing is this all is moving, flowing, churning, or stagnant, or stuff with with personal history in it and stories and pictures and images. So often we need secondary supports, and um, these come from thinking, and also from uh, a skillful uh, response, a heart response. So this is deliberate thinking. So some of the deliberate thinking you deliberately recollect you know, people you know who you feel are fond of or warmed by or inspired by or respect, just to bring something in there that where there's a, an effect of of gladness or inspiration or joy or gratitude, you know, something of that nature, and you can theme on that. Um, recollection on mortality. So <coughs> Reflect on your own demise, your own death. Mm. That gives you a sense of um, perspective on the topics that the mind can go through. You know, about what's going to happen to the housing market in five years' time. (laughs) Or (laughs) whatever your concerns are. You know, what is my, my daughter... What's her marriage, oh dears, and having trouble with her marriage, you know. So, okay, if you're going to die tonight, she'll have to sort it out for herself, won't she? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this kind of perpetual kind of uh, parental uh, angst. <laughs> you know, or, do you know what I mean? How you can just keep going on that uh, without really understanding, you know, other people's lives are their lives, you know. And 
you've got to so death gives you back your life that's the point of it <laughs> isn't it gives you gives you back your life it's not it's not diminishing it's giving it back to you so you have to live yours because you're the only one who's going to die it so you better live it <laughs> yeah so these things help with the, some of the topics of our our, mi- our minds the topical senses of them mm-hmm. you know there are different kinds of sheep dogs and uh, one kind of sheep dog is a big fluffy thing you know seem they're quite they're quite large big fluffy they used to advertise paint with these sheep dogs as so lovable looking creatures the big fluffy woolly shaggy things and they they I think they're called old english sheep dogs uh, <laughs> and they they look a bit like a sheep uh, and so the, the, this sheep dog operates by it, it they put it in the sheep pack in the in the flock of sheep and it moves around within the flock of sheep so the sheep are not frightened of it because it looks a bit like a sheep, shaggy thing. So they follow, you know, the sheep, sheep dog actually is, is more intelligent. So, you know, the sheep dog kind of guides them from within, moving around w- inside the flock of sheep because it looks like a sheep. This is when you put a skillful thought into your mind. It's the same family as the other thoughts. So it looks like it's, it's another thought, just like they are, but it's a skillful thought. And it starts to guide the the the, the c- frightened thoughts, or the panicking thoughts, or the worrying thoughts, or the malicious thoughts. So, you go, come on, go this way, come this way. Yeah. You have another kind of sheep dog is the one that stands out is outside the pack, uh, the flock of sheep, and it uh, it sort of runs around them, you know. So it keeps them in a, and it can it can herd them, it can drive them down. And this is the this is uh, when we deal with the the emotional sense of the mind. Yeah. So you just get the general with this with this. You you have a load of thoughts and topics in your mind or in your heart, and you say, okay, rather than pick on this particular sheep and that particular sheep and sort this sheep out and that sheep, just look at the whole flock. What are they doing? So this looks, looks like a worry flock to me. <laughs> this looks like a, a grudge you know, a grudge flock, or this looks like a why don't I ever get what I want flock, you know. So you just get the general emotional tone of the whole bunch of them, and that rings, puts them in a, rings them together, and you say, well, let's go over this way, let's go towards the direction of gratitude, or the direction of uh, relinquishment, or the direction of kindness and forgiveness, or the direction of, so you can kind of move the whole flock of sheep in one bunch. So this way, you, you, when you review your, your thinking mind or your concerns, just get one word, if you can, to, to, to name the whole lot. A dominant trait could be, you know, dull or sleepy or stuck or agitated or anxious or, you know, crazy exuberant, you know of creative ideas, wonderful things you're going to do when you get off the retreat, the great project, the great house you're going to build, the great play you're going to write, the sonata you finally got round to composing, whatever it is, you know, you get one of these kind of things can happen on retreats. I used to design shrine rooms on my retreats. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, down to quite exquisite details. I, you know, I've never stuck, hardly ever been able to nail a, put a nail in a piece of wood. But I could design, you know, stained glass windows and beautiful lighting and the kind of how tall it would be in the vaulting. And this, this you know, by the end of retreat, this, this thing would, be, would have won an award. <laughs> <laughs> but I could never actually get it out of my mind onto paper or design. <laughs> Because by the end of the retreat, I was uh, just pick up a piece of paper and the whole thing would just go <laughs> dissolve. <laughs> 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 so you get those kinds of uh, days like that. You, you suddenly get this great idea of how you're going to plan your garden, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> so then, okay, there's that kind. Then let's move it, shift that down towards, you know, um, where are you now? You know, where's your body right now? Where's your body right now? So you kind of just get one one word, and you find uh, something that can actually counteract that or steer it. Mm. I mean, what is so often needed is is just uh, something that wraps around this untidy congestion of thoughts, a basic sense of goodwill. So always. The sheepdog always, however it's operating, is always has concern for the welfare. The sheep never really wants to frighten them or take anything bad. So that's the fundamental principle of all pastoral care. You know, custodianship is, you know, well, just okay, let's take it steady, slow down, you know. It's got a little bit rough patch, we'll go through here. That, you know. And the third kind of sheepdog is one that just uh, is further back, sits back on the hilltop and just looks at the sheep. And the sheep know it's being looked at. <laughs> they can actually, you've seen the dogs, they're really good at it. They just crouch down and they look at the sheep and the sheep immediately <laughs> just kind of, <laughs> kind of form into a pack. And this is when you're just looking at it from the place of pure presence. It's just... Uh, Thinking, mm-hmm. mm hmm, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it's 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 more dispassionate. It's just this is just thinking. That's all right. It's just thinking. It's no, it's no big deal. It's not a drama. You don't have to fix anything. It's just that, and it just takes the, the 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 reactive, and the intensity and the importance out of it all. This is just an energy crackling away in in your in your brain <laughs> it's just like a sound of wind or rain on the window you know but from there you actually you have to get quite a way back to to see it like that mostly we're so in there with it you know that you, you, it doesn't seem like that so your, your first sheepdog is right there in it kind of moves around inside and saying oh, think about this think about that consider this pair that in mind and then from there in actually investigating one particular sheep that's that's panicking or sick or something like what's the matter with you? What are you doing? You know, nudge it, nuzzle it. You know, what's this thought about? Is this really true? Uh you know <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Talk to a thought. Yeah. Actually, slow one of them down and say, "I'd really like to. I'd really like to to get to know you. Your particular thought. A little. You know, I've been hearing this train of thought. Come and sit here. 
what are you trying to say? And how true is that? And uh, where where does it come from? And you know, and sometimes they get they're quite surprised when you do that to them. You know, they sort of shut, they go quiet because they suddenly realize somebody's listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is when you're really right in there. You can directly th- thought, investigate a thought, talk to a thought. All of that means that you're really becoming more like a sheepdog than a than a sheep. Mm-hmm. And that means you've got the sense of care and benevolence and you're not caught up with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, so this is the beginning, you might say, of the anatta, not self, because you're not identifying with your thoughts. You're not trying to be someone who doesn't have thoughts. You're not ashamed of your thoughts. You're not fascinated by your thoughts. So you, you're coming out of the identification with the thoughts, or being a thinker, or having a lot of thoughts, yeah. or and then you know, take it further, just contemplating the emotional qualities that there that perhaps are a little bit alarming or not really who you think you are or you normally feel yourself to be. You certainly feel quite unhappy or angry or, you know, things of this nature. So when you come out like the sheepdog outside the herd just still has the sense of care and respect and concern for the welfare of these somewhat, you know, crazy sheep and just gather around and take them to the good place where the grass is fresh or there's, they're out of harm's way. How to be kind to yourself, how to be generous to yourself, how to be firm with yourself, how to say, you know, that's enough now, you know. This is not taking you anywhere good, in a kind of gentle way. So it's slightly outside, isn't it? And so again, this is another w- way in which we, the development of, you know, out of self-view. Mm. Everybody has crazy thoughts. Everybody has choppy emotions. Every emotion moves. Its nature is not to be still and it's the nature is to move and jump around, flow, change, oscillate. You can't expect them to not be sheep or to be nice walk in nice rows all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so then that relationship the relationship is actually in this sense is a key to the understanding of not self. You know, skillful relationship. Yeah. So this is a you know what development, isn't it? Developing relationship. Firm, kind, caring, concerned for the welfare of the heart. And it you develop that or you find that and there's that possibility also and it's not exactly there's a one, two, three about this because sometimes you've got to be in it. Sometimes you get outside it. Sometimes you get way, way back and just look at that thing running around. And, and so like the sheepdog on the hill, just looking down at the sheep and, and, and by the very sense of, of attention, of, a, of awareness, of focus, gives you the, oh, what am I going on about? 
<laughs> you know, it's kind of busy in here, isn't it? Mm. Why am I doing that? What's the need for that? And strangely enough, there's a there's a why, you know, it's one of those pointless questions, but. How busy people are. We are sitting here from the outsider's point of view. How could you sit around all day doing nothing? Mm -hmm. Oh, doing nothing. It was a workout. I was exhausted by the end of the day. (laughs) Why are we so busy? You know? It's like there's all this energy that needs to go somewhere, trying to go somewhere. And, uh, it's resonating around creating an, an identity, creating territory, creating a life, creating history, creating a future, creating other people, creating a social dimension, creating you know things to look forward to, creating things to be concerned about creating things to remember with affection and warmth, creating things to remember with sadness or sorrow, creating a whole three-dimensional realm to live in. And it's a realm that's just continually caving in and collapsing like like quicksand. And the more you run on it, the more it just keeps kind of dissolving and dissolving. So you think, oh, I better create another one. Get some more stuff in there. Get some more stuff in there. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. More stuff. It just keeps, like, it keeps caving in, all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. And yet, there's that reflex to keep pushing something in there. You know, it's just kind of remembering something. You know, you've really got to dig deep sometimes. You know, as I do. I haven't done anything really worth remembering for forty, fifty years. <laughs> So you, you know, you dredge something up, and so you can get still get some some sense of uh, I was, I am, I will be. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a reflex to to keep creating territory and drama and scenarios, sometimes horrible ones. Yeah. So it's not about pleasantness. It's not about having pleasure. It's about having ground, having identity, having territory, having something to be filled with. And this is a very, very strong habit. What's it like to to realize all of that is just like the the nature of cloud? All of it is just the nature of spin, spin drift and cloud. Where is yesterday? Where is tomorrow? Where is today? Yeah. Where, what really is it? Apart from just a, a resonance, a hope, a dream, a concern, a warm flush. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. You, so you look back, you look on at that, yeah, and see this kind of hunger to feel, to be. There's only one way you could ever really slake that hunger is to to find presence, 
where the sense of there's a there's a tonality to it. So presence is uh, not just firm; it's spacious. It's also has the quality of ease. Mm. Ease. So the ending of dukkha is sometimes, you know, called. There's no pressure. There's no push, and you. It's a matter of developing. Uh, a taste, a sensitivity to that, because first of all, it feels like, you know, when the the, the loud music dies, it's is fading out. There's a feeling of well, it kind of feels kind of weird here, and then you start to f- sense the subtler quality of that. Um, this is how you you're able to stabilize on that in that place. Mm-hmm. So there is, uh, and this is uh, then transferred through the heart. So you know you can pick up that sense, and it comes through the through the heart as an emotional steadying, and you can breathe it. You can breathe that ease through your whole system. So this is this is something that you you know it help is the only way you can really uh, quell that hunger to be full by appreciating the flavour of emptiness, the flavour of silence, the flavour of stillness. Doesn't require any pressure, doesn't require any handling. It sits by itself. It's called the support un- unsupported, you don't have to keep holding it together. And you know, in a retreat this you may you know, you, I, I don't know where you're at really, but you may find you, you just touch that for moments a moment here and a moment there and if you just touch it for a moment you know for a moment it stops for a moment it's that just to know there is something in you knows that senses that all this incredible drama is really just just that you know and there's also another and it just starts to um, change how much the degree to which you feel emotionally bonded to the story of your life doesn't mean you don't have one you can't relate to you can't work with it but how much you feel emotionally uh, you know bonded to it so you you get caught in it you get seized by it Mm. and as they you know the famous saying is from the place of presence all that arises passes <laughs> it's not self <laughs> but you you know you can't just introduce that as an idea you know just kind of slap it down like a like a kind of uh, edict <laughs> uh, that that's the, that's the that's the realization to look out for that moment when there's a oh it's just this there's nothing to do about it. it uh, yeah. These then these uh, from the when the place of presence is is accessed and open, then the thought formations and the 
energy currents and the emotional habits start to release themselves because they found a place, this great presence, they found a place where they can finally finish their story and rest. But we have to work from where we're at right now. So, you know, for myself, sometimes it's pretty much, that's, that's pretty easy. Let's go to that. It's a lot easier with other people's stuff than with your own. <laughs> oh, that's just that. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> You'll get over it. <laughs> but it's your own stuff that suddenly, you know, it has, has got the sticky, sticky quality to it. Because you think it's your own stuff, you know, he's carrying a mask, it looks like you. <laughs> so these are the ones, sometimes you just got to get right in there and, and talk to them and check them out and say, where are you coming from, you know, what are you doing and uh, who asked you here, <laughs> you know, uh, and recognizing a lot, most of these thoughts are just conditioned by the circumstances we're in, you know, they're, they're just coming in from their, their from the outside, you might say, or from program reflexes in the world, or and you just, you know, they're just, they're just moving in. They're guests. You know. So investigate thoughts, check them out, which are useful. So that that quality in itself will tend to slow them down. Just holding one carefully, feeling the feeling of it the voice of it. And if you can do that and hold it carefully, then really interesting to see where where is the beginning of it? Where does a thought begin? Take an, any old thought, deliberately think a thought, and you get ready to think it, mm-hmm. and then when's it going to begin? And then, oh, it's gone, there it is just see the tail of it running out of the room. Now come back, try it again. Really the moment you begin, and oh, it's gone again. You know? Do you ever see it just sort of being a no thought and then gradually coming into a thought? Or isn't it, the first thing you notice is you're, you're waiting there for the thought, it's like a rabbit. And you're standing there by the rabbit hole and the thing's darted out. <laughs> and you didn't see it actually coming out of the rabbit hole, all you saw was a little white tail disappearing. The, the interesting thing about thoughts is they don't have beginnings. <laughs> and you try to notice where one ends. They fade, they quiet. You can't, do you ever see it there and then the moment it ends? Or isn't it just the kind of fading and then your mind goes to something else? It doesn't actually end. It doesn't begin, it doesn't end. So something that doesn't begin and doesn't end hasn't got much of a reality to it, does it? It's purely conditioned by a particular tensing of the mind, a particular you know, pressure in the mind. Yeah. So when we start to, to witness our thoughts consciously, carefully, like you really want to know one thought as it is, 
and is that the pressure is off to get to you know do something with that thought because you're not trying to do anything with it you're not trying to follow it or change it or fix it or analyze it you know you just want to really witness it it sort of loses its emotional stickiness its power to stick and you get this sense of a strange kind of um, the quality of presence becomes more apparent again so let's have some time for practice <laughs>